Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. My name's Scott Coyne and I'll be your host for this episode. Before we dive into uh, all of this week's action, let's find out how our Yoris is doing. Yoris, how are you this evening? What have you been up to? I'm alright, I'm alright. I've watched a lot of games so that's a that's a good thing to start with, I guess. Perfect, perfect start. We'll start with a wee score roundup, um, as we always do, because it's been another really entertaining weekend across, across the Pro League, particularly if your name is Julian Duranville, but we will get to him shortly. So the weekend kicked off with the big derby in Bruges, the Bruges derby, which club managed to win 4-0. Saturday started with another derby, the Limburg derby, which finished goalless between uh, Joris's side Genk and St Truden. Kortrijk managed to get their first win in what feels like almost forever. They got a 1-0 win away against Open. That was a uh, new head coach Adnan Kustovic's first game. Uh, and we'll be talking a little bit more about him later on as well. Uh, a new deep diver, a new coach. Mechelen lost 3-2 at home to Sarang. Standard Liège managed to get uh, another win, their first back-to-back win in uh, just over a year, actually, winning 1-0 at home against Oostend. Anderlecht in Leuven drew two each in what was quite an entertaining game. Antwerp won again, 3-0 at home against Westerlo. Charleroi won 2-1 at home against Ghent, and in the late game last night as of recording Union Sanjawa won 3-1 at the Regenbogen Stadion against Zalta Varagam. So I suppose we should start Joris with the big game that kicked off the weekend, the the Bruges Derby, which we know now that club managed to win rather rather convincingly. Circle obviously going into this on slightly dodgy form. They've had a, a they've had a poor start to the season, and this result was probably the last thing they needed, wasn't it? Yes, definitely. And well. They did not play too bad, uh, I guess, the first half an hour or so. They, they even were arguably the better side, or at least they didn't give away many things, and they did create a few things that themselves, not that much either, to be fair. And that brings us, I guess, straight away to the problem, that the massive problem they seem to be having at up front. Um, yeah, they now have scored three goals in, in seven games. That's not a great output. And they did create a few chances here, actually, but uh, they did not convert. We know Klubrugge always have goals in them, despite uh, how the game is going for them. Also, they had recovered by the time they scored the first one, uh, I guess. In the end, it was an emphatic win, uh, 4-0. But it could have been differently. One thing to highlight from, from Circa's side, uh, well, highlight or, or the player we need to talk about, I guess, is uh, Marcelin, who should have been off after eight minutes already in his first uh, game again at Circle Brugge uh, with a ridiculous challenge where I, I honestly still do not know how VAR did not intervene that. Yes, I know uh, we've talked about this. You already also mentioned like it's a derby, but I don't think that is an excuse for going to the ball like this. I think we'll get to the other game, but in Sintrada, you could also see it's a derby and it was also hard at times, but it was not crossing a line. And I think there a line was crossed. And then, well, in the end, he did play a decent game, you would think, after the first half. Unfortunately, while you have that incident already, then he does score an own goal. Um, 
Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> unfortunate. And I think he also lifted an off the uh, an, uh, there was a player lifting an offside trap uh, for one of the other goals as well. Then yeah, well I think he well he did come off then uh, he did, but yeah so ultimately not a great way back into the circular fold. Um, well also telling like coming back to the efficiency and then uh, knitting the, the, the everything a bit together it was also a bit telling that well that own goal that I just mentioned was actually circular's first shot on target from the whole game and of course it's yeah not the way they you want the shot on target to go so uh, well I found that slightly funny but also a bit yeah it, it is it's, it's just highlights the, the issue that have with with scoring goals uh, definitely and well the Brugge they still not really impressive and and they're not consistent enough across across games but we know they always always have, are a dangerous side and they're now they're already back uh, well level seconds in the league as well so that they have recovered uh, in points and well their level is is increasing definitely already as well yeah I thought it was interesting the lead up to this game actually in the in the immediate pre match interview Dominic Talhammer was talking about the fact that Circle need to find an answer to kind of that lack of composure that they have in, in, in the final third. You know, we know how good their challenge intensity is and, and how aggressive they are with their, their kind of gegen pressing and their their PPDA is still impressive. Um, I think it's in sort of the top two or three sides in the league, you know, pass per defensive action. Sorry about those who don't know what that, that abbreviation is. That's basically the metric they use to measure how many passes you allow the opposition to have while you're defending before you win possession back. So, you know, they're performing pretty well in a lot of the kind of key sort of aggressive physical outputs that, that, that you would expect. But this is the thing, actually, that, you know, that kind of high and energetic Pressing doesn't necessarily equate to being efficient in other parts of your game, does it? And I think they know the issue is they're generally playing quite well, but what they're not doing is taking the opportunities that they, they, they're creating at all. There's a lack of composure there. I mean, Denke, when I was watching the game, Denke was, was to be honest, irritating me quite a bit because he had two or three really pretty good chances at this level and he just wasted them so... It was so poor, actually. I thought, you know, you can't, you can't waste the chances that he had in, in games like that at this level and expect to get anything out of it. Obviously, you know, losing the derby convincingly in the end like that piles a lot of pressure on and it doesn't get any easier because next weekend, Circle play Antwerp, who are kind of flying at the moment, haven't dropped any points at all yet. And I just wonder how much pressure do you think Dominic Talhammer's under now? Because in theory, he shouldn't be. You know, the, the, the numbers are generally quite good, but they haven't found a solution to the lack of composure yet. What, what do you think the, the pressure diameter is on, on Talhammer at the moment, Jonas? Yeah, I think it's it's rising definitely now, especially with the other results this weekend going the way they went. That, so Circular is indeed, uh, for, I wanted to mention that already, before as well but are now actually the bottom team despite not playing too bad but well not converting uh is is, is yeah is the big issue like they, they in, like i mentioned three goals in seven yeah that's not go- not going great and indeed that the prospect of playing antwerp yeah is not the one you you uh, you like to see now it might i think 
for now, he should be still be fine, but it might change quickly if, if results next weekend also go in a bad way for them. I think that then this seat might become quite hot. Yeah, I agree with you. I think circumstances are kind of um, conspiring kind of against him in some ways at the moment. And I think the next couple of weeks are, are, are certainly going to be really, really important for Circle. The other thing I realised this weekend as well, Yoris, was that obviously um, Uida's not having that much of an impression yet obviously he's he's he scored his first goal but generally speaking you know he's he's not he's not particularly clicking with Denki and it's been interesting that they've been chopping and changing them a little bit up front and now they've been trying them both playing from the start together one out wide and and, and one up top so they're they're trying different variations to try and find a solution to that that lack of composure and we'll We'll see if they can um, strike gold or any gold at all over over the next couple of weeks. Let's move on to the the other derby, shall we? The the game that started Saturday involving uh, your team, the the big Limburg derby between um, Genk and St Truden. Not too much to say about this game, really. Obviously, partially because it finished goalless, but neither side were were, were particularly on it this week, were they, Yoris? Unfortunately, not. Yeah, the quality was just not there from both sides. Um, I, I I had the feeling. Genk started a bit uh, wary, very wary, and adapted a bit to Sintrada's play too much in, in the first half, and were a bit. They were not flying into it, which is normal, maybe because yeah, we all know that Sintrada is a team that can defend and can catch you on the break, and at the same time, Genk has been showing some vulnerabilities there. Yeah, they, they have been starting maybe a bit too cautious. Despite that, I guess there were a few chances. Painshill probably should have converted one. Muni was also uh, had a. Um, yeah, a complete miss hit tap in for a brilliant ball from uh, El Canus in the second half. But all in all, it was just not enough. There were just a few moments they didn't take them. Sintrada were playing, uh, well, defending at least really well, but attackingly they couldn't do much because, yeah, the gang defense this time really did well. There's, of course, the one moment really close to to the end uh, where, where Henk got lucky with uh, a very, very narrow offside uh, goal from Bruno. But uh, that would have been a harsh verdict for, to, to lose this one. I guess a draw was, was the right result. And yeah, not a, a game to learn from, I guess. And well, the, the good the good thing to take from it is another clean sheet. So two clean sheets in a row after none in the first five games. Like it, like we always uh, uh, mention, efficiency is so important in football. It was not, just not there this weekend. Second nil-nil of the season and uh, it came with the highest scoring team, maybe also uh, worth mentioning. So a uh, good job from Sintrada. Yeah, I think it's one of those weekends, isn't it, where you know your side have been playing really very well over the last two or three weeks in particular. I think that it's, it's quite difficult to maintain that level and the interesting thing about this game I thought was there was plenty of you know clear cut opportunities created by by Genk but they weren't able to kind of take any of them so maybe one of those where things are balancing themselves out kind of slightly I think um, from St Truden's point of view I think that's them now on their longest ever unbeaten run away it's something like 13 games or something now they're unbeaten away you know if you tag on the end of last season as well um, so that's, that's I believe say, I mean, that, that, that's quite an impressive stat in itself I mean obviously that's you know from results tagged on from the end of last season too because we're still early days into the new season but that's that's very encouraging for them and as we keep saying you know yet again actually we feel like we're seeing it every week in relation to St Truden a difficult side to beat actually you know they are a difficult side to beat and um, I, I was worried that and it's still a bit of a concern I have about them is just I think they need to keep 
that that squad fit. You know, I think if they get two or three injuries to, to certain players, then that's when, you know, it's going to impact upon them negatively. But at the moment, they're managing to keep everyone fit and they're still playing kind of reasonably well. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to add to that point because it was also one of the things I noticed that they didn't concede in their last three away games either. And in seven out of those ten, they did not even concede a goal. They only conceded once, I believe, in the in one of the first games of the season against Hint, uh, away in Hint. Only goal they conceded this season away from home so far. Let's let's move on then to talking about Open and Kartrike because I suppose one of the big stories to come out of the, this game this weekend was obviously it was the first game for Kartrike's new head coach Adnan Kustovic, who is a, a 44 year old Bosnian coach. I suppose we should dive right into the deep dive um, and talk about Adnan um, first of all. Obviously, he's got his first win. Um, so he will be happy as will Kurtrike because you can't ask for much more than that. But in terms of who is Adnan Kustovic, well, he's he's no stranger to Belgian football actually because as a player, you know, he he spent some time kind of in France when he was younger with uh, Le Havre and Amiens. But in terms of his Belgian footballing career, he had spells at uh, Muscron. 103 appearances for them, 42 appearances for Gain, uh, 41 for, for Beershot in a previous incarnation, and 54 appearances uh, for Tournai, uh, who are obviously now in the, the, the amateur divisions. So he, he spent most of his playing career in Belgium and you know most of his coaching careers and been in Belgium as well. You know, he worked as a, an assistant to Yves van der Eiger at Kurtrijk for 40 odd games I think then spends sort of a four year spell at Oostend where he's caretaker for a short period and then becomes the head coach himself manages to save him from relegation which is probably the highlight on his CV then goes to uh, Vaslan Beveren now SK Beveren of course uh, for a season doesn't really impress there uh, goes back to Oostend and this is where it gets rather comedic because he's actually sacked in that second spell at Oostend after only one game, and that was back in uh, 2020, so um, a lot of you might might remember that. He then goes off to China to be the assistant to uh, Ivan Leko, another Belgian connection again, everybody, um, at Shanghai Port, before coming back to take up this post. Now, when the news of this broke, Joris, I was a little bit perplexed. I've got to be honest, I thought this is a strange one. Despite his connection with Belgian football, I thought the profile of Kustovic was not really what Kurtrike needed at all and there was nothing particularly on his CV other than saving you stand from relegation that, that made me think okay this is absolutely the right man for the job despite his, his, his connection, previous connection with Kurtrike anyway during uh, Eve van der Eiger's spell there but when I drop in the words and um, stick your fingers in your ears everybody but Moggy and Bayat that might explain this appointment entirely. I guess we will have to look into that in that corner. I'm also not at all convinced by, by his co- coaching abilities um, necessarily. So I'm, I'm not sure if they did get the appointment right here. But yeah, Kurtek have some more players as well that are have been linked with uh, with Bayat. Actually, Bellosini is also a 
closely tied to Vyat. If I'm not mistaken, I, I, he's very, very linked to Vyat, so I, it might be coming from the same, same again. I'm just not very convinced by, at all. Uh, yeah. But we'll see. He won his first game now, so that's a good start, definitely. Uh, they needed that for sure. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I think it does pose more questions than, than it answers, and we'll see how they get in on over the coming weeks. Just before we kind of touch on their, their, their win, actually, Kurtrike's win, he's got a win percentage across his coaching career, I think, of 34%, which is not too great either. And it, it, that certainly doesn't suggest that, you know, he, he has a the, the ability to necessarily get Kertrike consistent enough um, to, to, to be where they want to be. It's always very difficult to... Um, pick things up when you've had a, a poor start to a season but like you say you know what I mean we know he's won his first game now so you know he can't do more than that and uh, we we certainly uh, wish him well in his, in his role there because he's got plenty of uh, decent players to kind of work with what did you make of the game this the week the this weekend then well I also want to just quickly touch on like this win percentage we have to probably also mention of course that might come be coming uh, from the nature of the teams that he has been playing um, with the yeah. You can't expect big win, win numbers there, I suppose, when you're in yeah, all constant in, in relegation battles. Uh, but about the game, then it was not the best game at, uh, at all. I believe Urpa played in the beginning quite well, but uh, they gave away a few things at the back where Kortek already should have scored. Two times they went to Moser. One of them was with uh, Miss. Misaudi, but I'm not sure with the second one uh, or the, uh, with the other one. But uh, they uh, where they went, could go one on one to Moser, and, and they just really ran to <laughs> ran into him. Uh, good, well done by him, but he should not have had a chance, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, so uh, he took his chance there, but uh, it was in the end not enough. Kortrijk in the second half, I, I didn't completely watch this game there. So, but as far as I could make up, um, Kortrijk had a few chances. Urp had a few. Chances chances and in the end it was uh, Kortek finally uh, I think deservedly uh, all in all uh, scored one via Mbayo and they did to Erpen what Erpen themselves did to Westerlo uh, last week and scoring in the in the final 10 minutes uh, so and grabbing the nil one away win. I, I can't make mu- that much about this game. I, I didn't pay that much attention uh, to it, uh, but I had it in the background somewhere. But uh, a good win for them. And Urpe, they also are still looking for consistency. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that um, Fias Selimani had been dropped and uh, Felipe Avenatti started. I wonder if that's a, a sign of just a, a change to the way that Kertrack are going to play in, in, in the coming weeks. Urpe, on the other hand, Obviously, like you say, I think you're right. They're searching for for a degree of consistency, and they've had a they've had a I suppose a, yeah, I can describe it as a slightly wild start to the season. Obviously, they had that that great win over uh, over Bruges. Um, in the opening weeks as well and it's funny isn't it because games like this one at the weekend there against Katrat these are the games that Open are really going to have to win if they're going to have a chance of staying up we've talked about that before obviously they've they've already lost now to Katrat who are going to be in and about them I think that's fair to say and uh, lost to Sarang as well another side that are going to be in and about them so at the moment they're losing against the teams that really they have to be picking points up against and seem to be doing kind of quite well against the sides where you wouldn't necessarily expect them to get anything of so maybe they're going to surprise us and beat beat the big boys and that's where they'll get their points but they're still trying to kind of find find a groove and and hopefully next week we'll, we'll get to see a little bit of their their new game 
Ghanaian signing Mubarak Wakazo, who is quite an underrated player, actually. I think he's got over 70 caps for the Ghanaian national side and is, is a pretty fine footballer, um, has played at some interesting clubs and he's got an interesting loan that they've just um, confirmed in the last few days. So hopefully he can have a, a positive impact um, on on the on the pandas. Let's move on then, shall we, to the, the actor de Caserne, where Mechelen lost 3-2 at home to Sarang. Sarang picking up their, their, their second win of the season. Now, this was an interesting game, this one. Mechelen looking every bit as brittle as we know they have a tendency to do sometimes. And Sarang being able to sort of take it, take advantage um, of that. Did, did you enjoy this game, Joris? I was switching between uh, these two games, actually, the last two games. Uh, so uh, I did manage to see a lot of these goals, at least enjoy the game. Uh, not the right word, I guess. There were goals, <laughs> but a bit like a bit like uh, this time they they came out as losers. But last time they they came out as winners. The game against Westerlo, a lot of goals, but the quality was not necessarily there throughout the whole game. It was a bit of a weird one, of course. The one, the, the classic goal first they had with uh, the the the, the po- a shot hitting the post and uh, via the back or the head of a keeper going in. Then uh, a bit unlucky, of course, for uh, for Tulum. Then you can't really. That was a bit unexpected and maybe at that point uh, undeserved for for the Sarai to take the lead but Michela didn't do that much themselves either uh, unfortunately um, but despite that they managed to turn it around before the break already so that that, that was a job well done and then I, I don't think that much happened well I, I get, you watched the whole game so you can definitely fill me in if I missed something here but I don't think that much happened before the, what was it around the 17th minute the uh, uh, yeah the very very silly penalty error from Van Leerbergen that, that gave Muanbil Maggi his uh, third goal of the season on the platter of the, from the penalty spot and uh, yeah this time he, he did manage to to put it in more convincingly than the last one he took as well and then Storm came in and, and created a few uh, at least he had one good moment but that's unfortunately also most that basically was was his game. Unfortunately, it didn't lead to anything. Uh, while you would have expected a bit more Michael pushing, uh, but I guess they were also a bit perplexed that they were not winning by this point. Because what, be, despite what I'm say, what saying, Michael were the dominant sides uh, definitely in this game. But um, yeah, just just not clinical, nothing nothing really showing uh, enough. And then Marius ma- made a copy, another, uh, not copy, but a similar goal to his uh, other uh, non-penalty goal uh, against Oepe with a swift turn um, and, and shots. This time it was from far, way further out, so probably even more uh, more beautiful goal to, to see. Nothing much game anymore. Um, yeah, there was not a real... Oh, as far as I could make up, there was not a real uh, storming of the Sreg goal after that anymore. Um, and Mechelo are also a side that, that are missing this efficiency. Uh, this can be illustrated in their strikers' uh, goals at the moment as well. They, they are scoring enough goals, as you could see. Yeah, they scored two here, that's fine. They scored five even. I think no, no other team has managed to score five this season. But um, yeah, from their mostly starting strikers, um, yeah, the, um, it's Ngoy that uh, has scored one goal and, and that's it. Luckily for them, other parts of the team still score and there was the, the uh, debutant striker that, that scored uh, twice. Lovely old Milan Robrechts. <laughs> 
I was hoping we might have seen a bit more of him after that fantastic debut, but perhaps they don't want to uh, don't want to put too much pressure on him. I think from Sarang's point of view, I think the fact that Marius Muandomaji now has got three goals so far this season, they will be probably very quite encouraged by that. Four, even. four, sorry, yeah, four goals. My mistake. Um, they'll be hugely kind of encouraged by that, and although that puts a bit of pressure onto him uh, to make him the main man, which he's obviously decided he is already. I think you know that that that's 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 yeah a huge positive for them. Uh, Mecklen's still quite imbalanced, I think. Obviously, they've they've got injuries. Storm's not a hundred percent fit. Marabti's going to be out. Um, sort of long term. Cook is still injured as well. I, I I think there are you know. <laughs> I was talking last week about how I now expect them to have quite an inconsistent season uh, for, for a number of reasons. So they're, they're going to be pretty up and down, which this game definitely exemplified. So it'll be interesting to see how they perform once some of those players kind of start to come back later on later on in the season. But they're definitely still searching for for the right blend. And this is a game that, that to, to lose this game generally is pretty poor, I think, um, especially considering that they'd turned the game around um, to then be in the receiving end of having it turned back, I think will be will be a bit of a sore one. But I think at the moment, they're not good enough defensively. They're certainly not good enough offensively um, or as good as they have been. I mean, they're for a side that normally do score a lot of goals, even if they do concede plenty, their XG this weekend was only 0.49. Now, for Mecklen to have an XG of that, is quite unusual and quite poor by their standards anyway. So that that should be a concern to them as well. And the midfield, obviously, is just simply completely out of balance at the moment. I think there's a lot of chopping and changing there and nowhere in the side at the moment is just really quite working right. So we'll see what happens when, when some of those injured players kind of come back. Let's move on to Slesson, shall we? Uh, where Standard Liège managed to get um, their second win in a row for just uh, the first time just over a year. I think it was last August was the last time they won back-to-back games. A 1-0 home win against Ivan Daraiga's Oostend side. How did you feel about Ronnie Dyla's standard this week, Joris? Still a long way to go, I guess. Uh, they, they have the results going there their way and all in all I guess they deserve this win on the other hand yeah they are both teams here are still uh, actually uh, lacking efficiency uh, we can keep only reading it but it's it's it yeah they're just inviting us to say it uh, well especially Ostende giving away the goal basically the although it was a lovely finish from Dragus uh, definitely not going to take anything away from there but yeah that ball just should not have been there uh, anymore no, nowhere near that area they defended quite badly then Atanga also well the I think it was the Wale opened up a lot of space straight in front of goal after the the one nil for Ostende and and uh, Atanga uh, unfortunately just shot straight on Voldar instead of uh, trying to put, uh, put it in a corner. Either corner would have sufficed from that uh, space, I believe. Uh, also, a good save from Bodar, but it was coming straight at him. And um, yeah, in Ostende were looking tempting, but they yeah they just lacked the, the goals. Um, and the same could be said for Standard at a number of occasions as well, though. So I guess we came for Standard in the stage that we also should say for them, um, these are the games they need to win. And yeah, they did. And now twice in a row, indeed, we can say that. So that they're on a good track. So 
I, I, I guess they're on track for a relatively stable season in a way, not expecting them really, really high up on the table. But with what they have, have uh, they, they are grabbing the points uh, they need to take. So they, they, it looks like they will be going on for an okay season. But um, I'm still cautious to say that, though, because all in all, it's not that their performance have performances have been yeah as you would also not expect from them at the moment i guess but are are not being very exciting um and uh, they they definitely will need a lot of time um but for this season and this game yeah this kind of games it will be important to win this kind of games and they did so uh well done in ostende they, they are now on four losses in a row and they they still played quite quite well they're a bit in a similar situation as Circle, um to put it shortly i guess yeah i think i think standards season is is, is going to be one of kind of trying to battle to find margin wins like, like this one. And and last week, obviously, where they got the points against uh, Kortraik, we, we know about the long-standing issues um, at the club. And I, I think the changes that have been made inside the club are small but significant things like, you know, slimming down the squad, getting the wage bill down, trying to bring in a couple of players who... Um, maybe have the right character about them as well. You know, small but significant things. I think which can, over the course of time, they can they they, they can build upon. And I think getting their second win in a row, although shouldn't be seen as massively significant. I think what's interesting about it for me is not only have they not done it in a year, but I think it's you know it's been able to get two or three wins together like this that can galvanise a squad just just a little bit, and it is something that they need and something that's new to them. So they're going to need to kind of keep doing that. And you're right, you know, games like this are ones where, you know, it's going to come down to to, to, to a fine margin somewhere. Um, likewise, you know, for Usten, this is the sort of game that they will target, you know, as, as the ones that they would like to get points from as well. And, and Ronnie Dyla, I think, was just, you know, delighted, obviously, to be able to get two back-to-back wins because that allows them to give give them some foundation um, to, to build upon in, in, in the coming weeks and hopefully allow those those two new signings that came in um, recently. Uh, Filippo Melagoni, I think it is, you know, to, to kind of bed in over, over the coming weeks. Um, and then obviously they've they've got a new striker who they're they're hoping will be able to make some kind of positive difference. It looks like Nicolas Raskan and Salima Mala are going to be around for for the season now, you know, and that's hugely encouraging to them as well. Uh, what happens beyond that, obviously, we don't know, but you know, that's they are they are significant enough in themselves in terms of where Standard might 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 finish as well. Usten just need to keep going. I remember us talking last week about how I I think they've had a slightly better start than I than than I expected, and much like Mecklen, I think they're going to be a bit up and down this season, and it's just going to depend on when they have their their big down spell that's going to have a big say in you know where, where their season actually finishes let's move on then to the game in brussels which was really quite an entertaining game i thought in the end anderlecht drawing two all against leuven and anderlecht certainly don't don't have their troubles to seek at the moment do they oh no they <laughs> Definitely, they are uh, struggling. Out of their last four games, they they didn't win, but uh, this was the best result, a draw. That is taking into account the the Conference League um, loss as well, so it's across all competitions. But also in the league, it's uh, uh, one point out of possible nine for the last three games. Could see the tension tension rising already after the game as well. But first, I'll touch on a phony thing on the pitch. Uh, Well, uh, not a phony thing, just it was a phone on the pitch, which was a funny sight 
uh, like the uh, taking <laughs> phone after what was it a few minutes into the game found a phone on the pitch uh, from one of the staff members uh, presumably from, uh, <laughs> from pre-match that we see you see a lot of things that you don't need to see thrown on the pitch but this was a first I think for me uh, <laughs> anyway um, then um, what else is there to mention for Andrich there are some 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 circumstances uh, also and of course uh, yeah the stomach flu hit them hard uh, with uh, four players um, four young players uh, Amuzu, Verskare, Aronstadt and Struik is all out um, so it may he's doing the rounds so hopefully um, it stays uh, at those four and not other players um, yeah get this uh, catch the virus I guess and that w- that would prove uh, important in another way as well which I will touch on uh, I- ironically this is the reason why uh, the game changers Ashimeru and uh, Duranville that brought them back into the game uh, a bit more, a bit more alive. Uh, and uh, when they were one nil down, maybe we should start. I should start talking about that as well. The, when they turned around slightly, the game uh, in. Um, yeah, they they were not in the squad list originally, but because of these four cases, they they were picked and and then they were yeah, put as a, on as a substitute even eventually, and uh, that did make a difference for them. Not enough though. Um, so like maybe I'll definitely run through the game now a bit more. One nil down after. A, a brilliant finish uh, from Torstenson. It's be- a bit beyond me how he is between three players the, and being the only one, the, yeah, he, how he can get free. Uh, but um, well, what he does with the ball uh, was nice. A, a typical striker goal, I, I guess you could say, uh, hitting it on the chest, control it, controlling it on the chest and a one-time uh, finish after that. Yeah, and then... Anderlecht were not looking all that great. They were trying. They created a few chances also before that goal already. Not that much. It was all a bit tame, I guess. Leuven had everything under control. Few more break chances which they wasted. And and I think a few more shots as well in the end. But nothing too concrete either. But that was that from there on, from, from after getting the lead, that was also uh, more uh, their game plan. And Anderlecht was not really threatening that much. A bit similar to Henk and Sintraden, um, I guess, to compare. And then in second half, the same actually was the case until, um, well, aforementioned Duranville came on and then scored a, a very nice goal actually from like from outside the box and, and uh, standing from a standing position, um, hitting a ball uh, powerful enough to, to go into a, maybe not really in the top corner, but at least well enough in a corner that's the most important and, and quite high so it was a nice finish anyway and and scoring his uh, well we have to touch on this guy I'm sure if I don't you will scoring his second goal of the weekend and also of his professional career uh, as well yeah, in the same uh, weekend uh, because he also because of yeah it's, it's the whole story I'm telling it in a bit in a quirky way maybe and going going to cutting some have cut some corners before but he was playing with the under 23s on friday uh, in the in the challenger pro league uh, and he scored his first professional goal on uh, there and then he uh, also managed to score uh, that uh, second goal of the weekend um, straight into uh, into his second game uh, for the Anderlicht. Uh, he's probably also, that's probably a, a feat that not many players will do after him. And 
I think he's also the first player that has done this uh, from him. And he did bring some liveness with him um, together. Uh, also, another thing we need to mention, I guess, uh, the other new, well, not the other, the new recruit, uh, Jan Vertongen, also making his uh, debut at 35 uh, in Belgium. He he did quite well, but straight after that, one one, it was not his fault, but uh, the Le Altamari managed to score one two after. Well, some clumsy giveaway from uh, from Diawara, uh, talking about debutants and new recruits. Uh, as well. <laughs> uh, I guess he was playing quite well up to then, but he was not expected to really be playing that quickly either. And um, by that time, at that stage of the game, I think it was around 70th, 75th minute. He, yeah, he misses some match rhythm for sure. So he should probably have been subbed off as well. Ultimately, Silva scored from a well, for a ball more or less falling into his feet with by by chance in a good position but uh, a very good finish as well though so uh, nothing to take away from that there were a few things to mention from after the game as well though uh, Mazu was indeed pressuring was pressuring the well not pressuring but was complaining a bit too much about the the referee uh, there was a potential penalty foul for on Sadiki Sadiki that same guy later on in the game admittedly though but um, probably should have gotten another red card uh, a bit of a slow a slower version of what Marcel got away with on, on Friday I guess so it was it was a bit less hard but kicking after the, the whistle had gone and the, the ball well unnecessarily kicking a player definitely and and Refailov also got a got a lucky escape in the first half already where uh, well he also gave a frustration um yeah kick after uh afterwards but somehow got escaped by by him not being as fast as he maybe used to be because he didn't hit the player um so <laughs> Uh, that that's uh, how it was not even a foul. If he would have hit that, that would have been so. It, any the the point being, um, complaining about the referee was the last thing they need to do anyway. I guess in a game against uh, Leuven, a home game against Leuven. With all respect, though, for Leuven, they are having a great uh, start of the season. Also, uh, the third time in a row that this specific fixture has uh, ended at 2-2 as well. And uh, that's while Leuven still never have won, uh, actually. Never have pulled it over the line in uh, Anderlecht yet. But I'll, I'll hand it over to you, Scott. What, what do you have to add? I did, well, I did say this was an entertaining game, didn't I? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, do you know, Julian Duranville, just to come back to him for a minute. I mean, that that's an incredible story. And for me, it's... It's the story of the entire weekend across Belgian football. You know, the idea that this 16-year-old, I think he is still 16, you know, can can play can play for the, the young underlift, the under twenty three side and the in the Challenger Pro League on the Friday night against Molenbeek in in a in another Brussels derby, of course, score there and then come on as a substitute for the last twenty five minutes on, on, on Sunday for the senior side and to, to, to score a lovely goal. And it was it was it was a great goal actually he scored. It's just 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 extraordinary. And as Joris was saying, I don't think this is something that's going to happen terribly often if not again and what a kind of start to your career though as a footballer you know we were talking about Milan Robrex a little while ago about his debut for for Mechelen a couple of weeks ago uh, where he had that extraordinary debut this is equally extraordinary but but in a, in a, in a very different way and it just just an incredible story and, and I'm surprised that more people haven't actually been talking about it which is one of the reasons why kind of obviously we we wanted to and I'm sure you'll remember this week for for a very very long time Anderlecht actually you know because they've they've dropped some points recently and a little bit of pressure has appeared out of nowhere because generally they've had kind of a pretty good start and people were feeling 
on the whole, kind of quite good about things because they were winning despite despite concerns about the playing style. All of a sudden, this anxiety starts to kind of feed into the play and they lose composure, you know, their efficiency drops. And they were playing with um, a lot of anxiety and trying to force the issue in this game for kind of understandable reasons. But often you need to kind of try and relax because forcing the issue is never, never really a great, great sign. Living, on the other hand, were, were everything in a way that Anderlecht were hoping to be and that was kind of composed and and kind of quite efficient and probably did deserve the win for for, for that reason and are left much like their game last weekend having a, a lot of possession uh, a lot of good passing and movement but but very little um in in product and it's interesting some of the comments afterwards is you know the bass saying they just need to kind of keep their head down and, and keep working hard and they, they will find a solution to to, to to what's going on in the camp at the moment and it'll be interesting to see if if they can do that. I thought Felix Mazu was looking really, really concerned, not only just during the game for obvious reasons, but but afterwards, you know, there was no real signs of, of, of relief in his part either. I think he was aware that the issues that have been present for the last two or three weeks are, are, are still there despite the, the, the large number of changes. Uh, which may or may not have been enforced upon him this weekend for for, for various reasons. Um, so that's going to kind of carry them into into next week. But it's funny how things can change so dramatically within within a couple of weeks, and how once you start to drop some points, then obviously not only does the pressure go on, but the the questions kind of get raised. I think a lot of Anderlecht fans were um, happy to kind of quietly perhaps turn a, a partial blind eye to their concerns about changes to playing style because they were still winning but that that evaporated kind of quite quickly when they started to drop some points and, and more probing questions kind of started to be asked but definitely definitely an entertaining game this one. I just wanted to add a few more points so also it was not Duranville's debut it was his, like modern media have repeatedly said that it, he already debuted last season but uh, yeah definitely in, uh, uh, a brilliant performance for, uh, for to, uh, way to go, get in uh, here and really kickstart his career, I guess. And additionally, also um, I want to add to the point uh, of the of the pressure and and about Mazu a few things again a bit on the shooting on the media the ten days ago or so literally ten days ago I think they they there was an article that he had the best start of uh, any Anderlecht manager had had in like I think mm, this century right, yeah. uh, so since two thousand. Uh, something like that, but that's of course a bit unfair to do with with all the European qualifiers in there against a few smaller teams, and especially yeah, now the tables have turned because ten days later, <laughs> literally ten days, he has is the manager with the worst records, uh, <laughs> starting record at least for for uh, since since two thousand for Anderlecht. So and additionally, also it was not only Mazu after the game, but um, but was it Van Van den Hout and uh, Verbeke, uh, the board, well members of the board and the the, the CEO. They were also complaining. Verbeke has been spotted uh, pointing at his watch, not happy with uh, the amount of time added on, which I can get, but still shouldn't really be an issue in this game for for Anderlecht. Normally, uh, it's telling that they do that. And Van den Houten, I believe, was uh, spotted also with the ref talking to the referee. Well, they, both of them anyway. That's that's never a good sign for for any club, um, for sure. That that such things happen and uh, very much a shame actually in general. Yeah, that's that, that's right. Often those things become a bit of a smokescreen, don't they? You know, when when you know there are other issues perhaps on the pitch 
a little bit of drama off it and around it is often kind of helpful as a bit of a distraction sometimes a bit of um a bit of yeah, drama off off stage. Speaking of sides at the top or near the top, um, why don't we go right to the very top um, next? The Bossel Stadion, Antwerp won again. Everybody seven wins on the bounce now since the start of the season. A three nil home win against uh, Jonas de Rock's Westerlo. I I thought this was a kind of a pretty easy home win, really. To be honest, I, I didn't think Westerlo offered very much. I thought they were pretty poor. Interestingly, Westerlo have now managed to lose all four away games which I think it's the first time they've ever done that from the start of a season anyway and it's interesting you know we spoke a few weeks ago about their home form being very very important that looks like it's going to turn out to be kind of correct if if, if their away form is is anything to go by certainly at, at the moment but yeah I thought Antwerp were pretty much kind of cruised to this win really I guess so um, in the beginning Vistola was giving some more until the first goal I guess it was quite an even game but after that a penalty goal by Janssen it was the, it was a different story um, but good win from them talking about Janssen four goals he was talking about 10 days again as well. 10 days ago, he still was at nil goals, I believe. And now he had four. Well, no, for sure. And now he has four um, in, in three game days in one week. So in seven days, actually, uh, from uh, well, on some, from Sunday to Sunday. What else? There was, there was a nice real Dutch goal, I believe, um, in it as well. The nice build-up for Miyoshi's second for a goal. So the second one was... Um, well, had started by three consecutive uh, different Dutch players in uh, newcomers, real newcomers, things in the in, in Janssen and Ekelkamp um, in in the build-up. There are also five points clear at the top to 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 get a bit more to the bigger picture with Genk uh, dropping points and they have a margin of one game and this is uh, the seven victories in a row the, is uh, I believe the the best start the Antwerp have had since 1930. Uh, at that time, they yep. did manage to to go on, get on to to win the title. But uh, yeah, almost 100 years ago. So that's uh, how remarkable this uh, this deal is. On the other hand, also Antwerp have not finished still in the top two since around half a decade as well. So we'll have to still have to see how how this this whole thing pans out. I'm more confident now. They played quite well. Westerlo didn't do that much anymore after conceding. Historically, Westerlo have been a very difficult side to beat for Antwerp. They I believe it's only the fourth time. If I re- if I re- I listened to the Virkanta Paal, uh, the Antwerp fan podcast last week, and if I'm not mistaken, they mentioned there they had three wins in history uh, against uh, Westerlo. So this would be would have been the fourth uh, uh, time they have won. There were, have not been that many games either. That's a good, that's a good point actually, Joris, because of course Westerlo as well put put Antwerp out of the the cup last season in what was you know a reasonably close game too. So yeah, they they. They've not had that much luck against them um, over the over the encounters over the years. Antwerp as well, actually. I was having a look at some of their numbers, some of their stats this week, and they are generally out, out, outperforming themselves. That's something worth bearing in mind, which is interesting. And bearing in mind, in fact, that uh, Michael Frey's injured at the moment, and I think I think his mus- muscle injury. I think he'll be out until sort of late 
September, so it might it might be another two or three weeks. But he does have a history of you know recovering quite quickly, even from quite bad injuries. So there, there's something a bit miraculous about his um his regenerative abilities. I don't know if he has some kind of magical water pool at home or or that that you know regenerates the cells, whatever he's got. But he, he tends to recover kind of ahead of schedule most of his injuries. So it'll be interesting to see how quickly as he's back. But yeah, Antwerp outperforming themselves a little bit at the moment. They do have a very high efficiency rate coming back to that thing that, you know, that's probably the word we use most on the BFP, everyone, isn't it? They've been extraordinarily efficient, you know, based on their their um I, I was tweeting some some stats actually in relation to Antwerp before the game at this weekend when I was talking about the fact that they had um, they'd scored more goals based on their number of shots than any other side as well. So their their conversion rate is higher than anyone else's. So they're they're um, they're doing everything that you need to do if if you want to be kind of top of the table. And yeah, there's a there's a slow but steady steam of steam building around them now. I think that that I don't know if Antwerp fans are getting excited about yet because it's still early. They'll I mean get in touch with us guys. Do you know what I mean? And 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 tell us how you're feeling about things. Are you feeling more optimistic as Joris was saying that maybe this 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 could be the year based on what we've seen in, in the early stages. I thought as well, Joris, I don't know, um I thought Calvin Stengs had had quite a good game, you know, as well. I, he, he impressed me a bit and um Jansen, as you were saying, has has kind of exploded all of a sudden um from 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 nowhere, which I suppose was what he was hoping would happen eventually. Luckily for Antwerp, it appears to have coincided with Michael Frey's injury as well, which was was always going to be telling because I think all of us thought when that happened, okay, what's what, what's gonna happen now? Because it was looking like Frey was was gonna be the main man. You know, he'd laid the the, the early claim to that stake until his injury. Um, it's, it's interesting that Janssen's really seems to have been motivated by that at exactly the same time. Nice goal from Mayoshi as well. You know, you were mentioning that, albeit there was absolutely no attempt to defend it at all from from, from Western Law. I was slightly horrified by the, the lack of defending there. They've... Um, they, they haven't confirmed this yet, but it's looking like Nasser Chadley is going to be coming to Western Law on a two-year deal. Um, that that should be confirmed over the next um, 24, 40 hours once he's completed a medical, but that seems to be done. Um, he was looking for a slightly longer-term contract, and Western Law were happy to offer him a two-year deal. So uh, Nasser Chadley is, is the latest of of the Belgian Red Devil big hitters to be coming back to, to Belgian football because, of course, some of them, this is their... The first time they've they've played domestic football in Belgium as well, which is interesting in itself. Let's move on, shall we, to Charleroi and Ghent. I didn't see too much of this game actually, Joris. Um, how much of it did you see? Unfortunately, also not that much. I but uh, I I've seen some of it and I've seen the highlights afterwards at least. So I guess we still have some grounds to 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 base ourselves on. But um, yeah. Let's already admit to listeners if there's some wrong information here that, that that's uh, that, that's on us basically yeah but uh, yeah well this was not the most exciting game Gent had everything under control uh, it looked like in the, the beginning they they scored quite early on through a hung header um, it was remarkable but I've, I get, I I didn't look up but I should have done that uh, why Coffee was not in the squad I guess he was also sick or had a minor injury otherwise we would have heard more of why he was not in the squad 
Um, but uh, so Patron was keeping. Then Gent had another big chance via Samoase, who probably should have scored, uh, but hit the bar instead. And uh, that was the, the start of some uh, unfortunate events uh, for, for Gent. So that's starting with that. Then second one was Ngadeu playing it, uh, giving away uh, a stupid ball. Uh, where where uh, Charlevoix easily could intercept and uh, uh, playing out from from the back, gone wrong, which we have seen a lot, uh, not only in Belgium but in a lot of leagues, uh, but also in Belgium definitely uh, going wrong. And then uh, very quickly Morioka of all people with a header, so that that was um, to equalize, bit bit like the first goal I, in the end, I guess. And uh, that was the second part, and then the third part Okumu. Very much overreacting. Uh, yeah, to, to uh, well, it was funny to hear Van Hasbroek's reaction afterwards as well. Definitely, he was fuming about all, all of these things, uh, not scoring. That, that well, fuming he was there, he was more like he probably should have scored, he was forgiving still. But with Okumu, he was quite unforgiving in his uh, in his words. Well, despite okay, he tried to keep it diplomatic, he's my he's my friend, um, and I'm, I'm, I like him. But yeah, in this situation, I can't really defend him uh, because uh, yeah, he overreacted, grabbing Mbenza uh, by the throat. Granted, Mbenza should have gotten a yellow card there as well, though. But um, yeah, the, 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 for for a little for some pushing in the back, being a bit very irritating um, for uh, Tuokumu. But yeah, the reaction was uh, of course out of bounds. It was interesting, wasn't it? Um, I was going to ask you how you feel about the red card because obviously, you know, Charlevoix managed to get themselves level just a couple of minutes before that. Um, and then obviously there's the red card, which 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 is silly, completely needless. You're right, it's, it's an overreaction, an aggressive overreaction. You know, when he, you know, he, he gives them a shove essentially out of, of nothing, gives the referee a, an easy decision to make. And that, that for me is the turning point in the game because up to that point, you know, obviously, the game are getting are leading you know it comes back to 1-1 and then you know within a couple of minutes of that you know you you lose uh, Akumu and you know the game changes um, there after that so yeah I can totally understand Van Heisenbroek's irritation probably is the right word at that you know I, I would feel exactly the same you know it's, it's that thing about being in control of a game being pegged back and then you know the, the game kind of falls away from you almost um, through through your own yeah your own lack of discipline I suppose you know making making yourself things hard hard harden yourself important win this for for Charleroi I think you know things despite having been playing really pretty decent actually um, in the last few weeks you know that you know there was a kind of feeling that you know things weren't they weren't being rewarded for how well they were actually playing and although what they are they're six at the moment aren't they they've won four lost three interesting when you look at their goal difference as well do you know what I mean they're a bit they're a bit fragile at the moment you know scored 11 and conceded 10 so it's a bit it's a bit gung-ho for them um, regardless they'll just be relieved to to kind of get a win because obviously they've had a few defeats at home this season um, so to get to get a home win I think Think was was important against against side who again another side that have generally been playing pretty well so far this season but I also um don't think they've been getting probably the the, the rewards that um that, that their play merits so you know a, a tale of frustration for different reasons for 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 both sides I think well definitely I do not completely agree with Ghent playing well this season but that's another discussion <laughs> but uh, but uh, but they're definitely not getting a lot of points of course we didn't 
didn't really find some uh, end the summation of the of the game. So in the second half, Charleroi didn't really play that well either. But despite that, I do agree on the point that this was a turning point of the game. Uh, Gent didn't do anything anymore, and ultimately Sorigan managed uh, to to put uh, the 2-1 in the nets to to win it for Charleroi. As you mentioned, first win for Charleroi at home ends against a streak of 13 away games. So maybe Vitsintrad, and that's where where you're where where you might have gone wrong if that was wrong 13 away games that they were undefeated also the first win from Charleroi at home against Ghent uh, since 2018 so that had also been a while on Charleroi I have to say I do find them a lot less attractive uh, than last season generally but maybe that's also at times of the game like they're they're not consistent enough attractive they have previous in games that they are like last week against Club Brugge the first 20 minutes maybe 20-25 minutes but then they completely sh- shut off that that looks a bit weird so they look do look a bit less attractive to me than last season but well they're getting a more than decent amount of points out of the the games now ultimately so um i guess no, nothing to really worry about and indeed uh, like well basically i'm making the points you also were making but i'm just less convinced by the level of both teams of the to this season as as, as you are but and hence yeah slightly disappointing start to the season um but of course uh, we know they're very much were very much reliant on tisudali and yeah you can still see that um, i suppose despite that they're quite okay they did manage to win uh, in Anderlecht, but even there, they didn't play that well. They they did manage to win, but uh, that was maybe more to uh, Anderlecht also really being poor in that game. They they would have hoped for this. Uh, and Van Hasenbroek really was well, was quite furious about after the game, also because of the ramifications of not winning this one. Because if they would have won, they would actually be in a quite good position. And uh, yeah, now the world and the world would look differently. Now it looks a bit worse uh, for them um, already. Poor old Bakayne seems to seems to be in a, a permanent state of furiousness these days. Um he doesn't he doesn't need much to cause him to kind of go off on more, which I suppose is one of the things that makes him so entertaining. Let's move on, shall we, to the the final game of the weekend. Union Sanjawa running out three one winners at the Regenbogen Staden against Mbailay's Zalta Varagam. And I have to say, Joris, I um I'm a bit worried about Zalta already. I mean I I spoke about how I felt kind of more positive about them, particularly after a, a good performance against Bruges a few weeks ago where I thought thought, okay, there is the uh, the beginnings of something interesting in that performance where I thought they were quite, I thought they were bright, creative and energetic. And I thought, you know, if they can take this into the season, then, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. In recent weeks, the wheels have come off a bit again. Obviously, we know now Mbailay's come out and said that Zeno Gano is not going to play for the club again as long as he's T1. Been a bit of drama there. There have been a couple of clubs trying to bring in Gano, actually, Mechelen and Leuven were looking at it um, so it'll be interesting to see if, if he does leave before the, the end of the window um, or whether he ends up in you know footballing obscurity for for the rest of the season. But this was a, a fairly straightforward win for for Union, who as we know tend to create a lot of chances, and and they were they were able to take them. Van's here a bit wasteful again, a bit like Kevin Denke this week. I thought he had he had two or three really good chances that at that level I think you have to be doing better with. But Zulta just you know really really poor offensively I thought, and that's. 
that's where the alarm bell started ringing for me because obviously Dompey's left now. Um, he's gone to Hamburg. Uh, he was an important player for them. Gano's obviously out of the picture, which puts a lot of pressure onto Yella Vossen. And I'm not sure he can score the same amount of goals he has done over the last few seasons without the support of players like Gano and Dompey, who are, are really important to their system. Yeah, I agree. And I wanted to add another, well, I don't know, a question mark. I wanted to put, maybe I wanted to put it more in the background of my, what I was going to say here but um, yeah Stan Bram scored his first goal but uh, which is a, a great feat another nice story of course but on the other hand is it not worrying that he's uh, in a way worrying for the team that he has not having that much trouble with adapting to to the to his team's level and uh, seems yeah and mm. it, it seems a good addition to that yeah. squad of course this could go both ways but it, it is something I wanted to throw out there like yeah it's it's very good for him, but is it good for the team? Ideally, there should not be that. That should not be so easy, I guess, coming out of a way lower league, even. Um, but yeah, good good for him though, and and it's not only based on this goal, but in the past few appearances he's made, he well, he has not been standing out, but neither has the team, and he has also been standing out in a negative way at all. I also had a few chances before already that uh, that he could have scored before this game. Yeah, on, on Union, um, quite surprisingly, maybe it was their first away win uh, since last season. They had a lot of, uh, gained a lot of points uh, away from home. Uh, this time it was the first away win. And maybe similar as to Charleroi, what I said before, they, they do seem, not surprisingly at all, but a bit less sparkling than last season, but still are grabbing the points they need to grab, uh, enough points to, to actually be in a sub-top position and uh, for the moment and who knows uh, well, they, they still are grabbing the points yeah and what else two silly penalties given away of course from, from Zulto Arjem that does not help mm. um, equally silly red card on the other side and for, for experienced substitutes Francois for, for Union then that, that was a bit yeah, it was not a weekend for experienced players. Also, Revailov uh, to come back quickly, come back there. Like he had that, <laughs> he had that one moment, and he also had two more two set pieces, I believe, where he was uh, caught in offside. Well, after receiving a ball back, so it's not entirely up to him, but also uh, he should know that he that he would be offside in that position, I guess. But okay, um, to get back to Zoltovarium, yeah, the same issues still seem to be there, scoffing Gano and, and losing Don. So that's two of their three main players uh, up front from last season. They they need to replace these goals somehow, for sure. Uh, despite okay, the, the, yesterday they were not great. On the other hand, Union was also not as good as they were uh, as they could be, as we know they can be. Yeah, they they. They still make silly mistakes at the back. Like I said, two silly penalties given away. If they don't do that, it could have been differently, a different story. But very worrying already again as well, indeed. Uh, then, yes, that, that storyline changed quickly, though, over the course of a month. Okay, let's uh, let's chat Challenger Pro League, shall we? Because uh, there's been plenty of interesting stuff going on in in the lower division uh, this weekend. Just in case you missed the results, um, a roundup as always. Molenbeek drew two each with Anderlecht under twenty threes in the Brussels derby, um, the game that Julian Durenville scored his first goal of the weekend. Standard Liège sixteen drew two all as well with uh, Jong Genk. Club Next lost 2-1 at home to Beershot. Liers won out convincingly 4-1 at home against Denza. 
Verton and Dender drew one each, um, and that was Denzer's first points of, uh, of the new season. And Loma lost 2-0 at home to SK Beveren, which was Beveren's first win of the season as well after after their, their, their poor start. A couple of developing stories actually uh, worth highlighting, I think, or keeping an eye on anyway in, in the Challenger Pro League at the moment is Lier striker Leonardo Roca has now scored Joris seven goals in four games, which is a, a, a hell of a start. And if he can maintain anything like that, then Laers are going to go pretty close to something special, I think. Um, that's that's an incredible start to the season. Likewise, I think it's worth shouting out to Genk's 18-year-old striker, uh, Second Iwara. He's got four and four now, which is a pretty impressive start to the season as well. But you all already spotted that, won't you? I have seen that, yes. Well, on Diawara, I have to admit, outside of his goals, he's not convincing that much yet. But it's important, of course, they need the goals. I want to add uh, one thing, definitely. It was remarkable to see two comebacks on Friday. Uh, uh, Standard was also leading Young uh, Young Hink 2-0 at the break. It was a bit against the run of play from what I have seen there, but uh, yeah, Hink managed to turn it around 2-2. Also, the three most important players for Young Hink uh, all fell out with uh, injuries, uh, hopefully slight injuries. Hans Sommers, uh, the manager, sounded confident about that that it should be, but but uh, about that it should not be too serious. But they did get off, maybe more of out of precaution there, uh, but they did fire, manage to fight back uh, for a 2-2 there. And um, of course, I also wanted to uh, just you you uh, want to correct your mishap uh, quickly. You, 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 mentioned, you said Danza got their first point. Uh, well, you meant Dender. Dender, uh, that's, uh, that is all. That, uh, it, it's interesting to see that teams are all over the place still. Can't really make any conclusions yet. Still very unpredictable league. And Dender have uh, managed, have uh, in the past week, despite only getting now their first point have reinforced quite big in the last uh, few days as well might be worth mentioning so we'll have to see what, what these new additions will bring to that squad yeah it's interesting that when you mentioned that because you know Dender being the new side to the division I, I think we would expect them to take a number of weeks to try and adjust to that kind of step up um, from from the first amateur division as well, so it'll be interesting to see now that they've picked up their their first points or first point. Uh, and you're right, I did confuse my Denders and my Denzas. Um, see, it happens in this division as well, doesn't it, Joris? It's not just with uh, Genk and Ghent, which everybody in, in in the Pro League obviously makes that mistake from time to time. We do we do have this one in the Challenger Pro League now, Denza and, and Dender, which is which is quite amusing actually. Yeah, so we know that obviously Liers are setting the early pace now thanks almost exclusively to Leonardo Roca as I was saying you know he's he's absolutely fired into the top in his his own incredible form um striker of the moment in in that in that division and you're you're right I think it's too early to say anything yet I think there's going to be a lot of chopping and changing uh, probably right until the the very end of the season in the Challenger Pro League before we go we probably should have a little chat about some of the big games coming up during uh, this midweek because obviously Europe football returns and it starts on Wednesday evening Club Bruges uh, kick off their Champions League campaign for the season uh, with a home game against Bayer Leverkusen. How important Joris do you think it is uh, for club to, to get off to a winning start here if they're going to do anything in this group? For multiple reasons I'll try to keep it short. One uh, Leverkusen is actually well, they have lost three out of their four, or is it four out of their five games uh, in the Bundesliga also last weekend? Um, so they were definitely not in the best of forms. Uh, secondly, it's always important because 
by the later stages of the group stage, uh, the bigger teams usually, while they might have underestimated uh, the smaller teams yeah, in the first games, they, they might not do that anymore in the second game. So you need to make uh, sure that uh, you take everything you can out of uh, these first games uh, and get the maximum out of that and then hopefully catch on to that and and get something more about out of the latter games of the group stage as well. Yeah, that's right. Your home games are, are always extremely important in, in Europe, no matter what competition it is. Obviously, we've got three other games as well. Thursday sees Anderlecht at home against Silkeborg in the Conference League. Uh, Anderlecht's return to, to European football, which is uh, exciting, I think, for, for everybody concerned, not just Anderlecht fans. Union Saint-Gerois travel to Berlin to play Union Berlin, two unions in the uh, Europa League and Ghent travel to Norway to, to play Molda. How do you see those games panning out, Joris? The Anderlecht one is probably somehow the most exciting because of the bad form they are in. It can be a crucial game to maybe turn a corner again and get back on track. Or the other scenario, of course, if the, and I guess this already goes if they don't win. So even a draw is probably not enough. There's a lot of pressure on this one. The thing's could turn really dark for Mazu uh, very very quickly. Yeah, the two unions clashing, it's it's a fun game to start with, I guess. Uh, they need to get whatever they can for definitely in a quite open group. Uh, I know we both said that they we see them advancing, so if they want to do that, it's important to get a good start. And Gent, a bit similar to Anderlecht, a bit less down maybe, but they do need to do something in Europe after the debacle against Nicosia. Well, I do think they, they will do that, but uh, that's all definitely a hope. Interesting week for not only for the games itself, but just for the pressure on certain managers and, and, and teams and how seasons will go out with Union. It's also interesting, maybe not specifically this game, but how they will cope um, They starting from this week with the English weeks. Yeah, I look forward to kind of catching up with you next week, Joris, and, and having a chat about how those opening round of games go. European football, always uh, an exciting time of year for, for all of us. And uh, fingers crossed and good luck to the Belgian sides uh, this week. We'll we'll certainly be watching, as I'm sure everyone else will too. Just before we go, uh, just a reminder of next weekend's Pro League fixtures. Uh, Friday night's game is St Truden against Standard Liège. Saturday sees Kortrijk taking on Mechelen. Oostend at home to Open Sarang playing Club Bruges and Leuven at home to Charleroi. And on Sunday, we have Westerlo, Anderlecht, Circle Bruges against Antwerp in what is a very big game now for, for Circle. They really need to get something out of that, I think. Union Saint-Gerois uh, return to Park Duden to play Joris's side Genk in one of the tastiest fixtures, I think, of the weekend. And the final Pro League fixture of the weekend, the late game on Sunday evening, is Ghent at home to Embailé's Zulta Varagam. Joris, thanks, thanks for joining me, my man. And I look forward to catching up with you um, next week about all the domestic action and hopefully a very exciting week in Europe. Yes, definitely. And now I come to think of it, we didn't mention why we're only two and will only be two for the upcoming week. weeks. I guess even uh, Ben uh, has a little break, a deserved break as well. And and uh, finally is going to, uh, I guess we can say that, uh, on his honeymoon for a few weeks. So uh, enjoy your holiday, Ben. Uh, I hope you're listening. I'm sure he'll send us a postcard. We can tell listeners that a postcard. Postcard from, well, we won't tell you where he's going. We'll let Ben tell you all about it when he gets
gets back because I think that's much more exciting. Just before we go, if you want to get in touch with us, I'm sure you all know how to do that by now. And if you don't, why not? You can get in touch with us uh, on Twitter at Belgian Podcast and you can also email us directly as well. You can also um, attack each of the three of us individually. You can find me at Scott underscore coin, Yoris at Yoris underscore Beck and that's B-E-C-Q and Ben can be found at BenJack94 as well. So that's about all we've got time for this week everybody Um, we look forward to seeing you all next week for another episode of the BFP. 